Good morning. It's your girl, Joy Melody, and we're here to help you start your Mondays off right. We're here to talk about a little education, a little mental health, and the music we use to cope in this crazy, crazy world. I hope you enjoy the show, and you're listening to Morning Joy. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on this morning. How are you doing today? Hey, Joy. Thanks for having me. I'm doing all right, you know, getting in, managing, living my best black queer life. <laughs> um, so can you in- introduce yourself to the people who I hope are going to be listening to this episode? Sure. My name is Marcus R. Period Dexter. Um, by, I socially go by Dex. I am a rising third year doctoral student in the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Georgia, uh, specializing in sport management and policy. Born and raised in Philly, though. Oh, God. PA all day. Here we PA go. all day. <laughs> all right. So I got to ask, because I know, I know Lance is going to ask me, what part of Philly? Oh, SP all day, South Philly. Okay. Born and raised, not on playground, on concrete sidewalks. Yeah. I don't know what side of town he's from, but I think it's South. I don't know. I don't care. I hear about it all the time. Um, so for everyone who hasn't listened, who's joining just for the second season, um, my partner is also from Philadelphia, and he never lets me hey. So I always have to ask when people say they're from Philly, because uh, as soon as I tell him, he's going to be like, oh, my God, did he go to – did he do – um, so anyway, so that's awesome. So wait a minute. So you're from Philly. Unfortunately, you're Born and unfortunately you're Eagles fan, but you know what? I'd much rather them <clears> won <throat> the Super Bowl than the Patriots. So I'm gonna let it go. Um, but so you're from Philly, born and raised Eagles fan, whatever. And you're in the deep South. What, like what in the world? How did that happen? Um, See, I don't know. Um, it's weird. I don't really, I mean, I, I guess it's deep south, but my northerner self, northeasterner at that, I, whenever I thought about the deep south, I always thought much more west, like Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, and so forth. But I came to Georgia, actually. Um, I went here for my master's right out of undergrad. I was looking at schools. I knew I wanted to go into um Sport management and coaching. I um, got my bachelor's degree from Robert Morris University right outside of Pittsburgh. And I, um, my senior year, knew I wanted to continue coaching. And so I, I, I studied business administration with a concentration in sport management at Bobby Moe. And really just like, okay, so where do I want to go? I pretty much came down to a choice between going to Athens, Ohio, and going to OU, and going to University of Georgia here for the sport management policy program and i chose uga because came down here during my spring break loved the campus my best friend was living in atlanta and i was like well i always wanted to move to atlanta we talked about it he was here i was like all right well i'll move down here came to visit came through the campus and met with the head coach the then head coach uh coach norton um, I was in suit and tie. It was 90 degree weather. And he just <laughs> smiled at me and said, please take that jacket and tie off. You're making it hot. And I thanked him so much. <laughs> I was sweating. Um, but, you know, just from there, good connection. Love the campus. Um, it's beautiful. And I'm not just saying that um, because I go here and, and second time here, but our campus is an arboretum. So I, it really is a beautiful campus. And so I knew when I was done that meeting and seeing parts of the campus, I canceled my um, campus tour with Georgia State and said, this is where I want to go. And my head coach, when I was competing in track still undergrad, emailed the coach. And, you know, he definitely had no problem with letting me come on and volunteer. And that was kind of the wrap. And so that was just for the master's program. But um, when I was transitioning from coaching and I knew it was either going to be culinary school or a PhD, um, chose PhD, one, because – um, I already had two degrees and, you know, Sally May, um, you know, everybody, o- almost everybody's baby mama, um, was going to give me any loans to go to culinary okay. school and expensive. <laughs> and, um, PhD was always something or a doctorate period. Okay. I did consider EDD and don't want to devalue that at all. Right, right, um, right. a, doc- a doctor degree was always something I was had in the back of my mind, um, in undergrad, I had amazing faculty, um, black faculty that um, really instilled within us 
you know, continue our education. And ever since my sophomore, junior, senior year of undergrad, mm-hmm. um, my two mentors, one, um, Dr. Daria Crawley is an AKA and her husband, um, the former Dr. Russ Crawley, because unfortunately he passed, he's a Kappa, my frat brother as well. And, you know, he had passed 2013, I believe it was the year and it just stuck with me. And I was like, you know what, now's the time. And we all wanted to do it for him. So part of the reason why I'm even in this PhD program and wanting to keep doing it is really just to keep that promise to him that I said and all of them that, you know, I was going to do this and I will be Dr. Dexter. So um, I was like, all right, I'm going back to Georgia. Dr. Hawkins, who was my um, advisor and mentor from undergrad, I mean, master's, sorry. Um, he was still here and called him up and said, hey, doc, um, I want to get my PhD. It's now time. And he's right. like, all right, well, here's what you got to do. And another faculty member from my master's, Dr. Paul Shemp, whose lab I'm also part of, the Sport Instruction Research Lab. Um, he'd always been a mentor since I had him in my research methods class in my master's, and he's always been a big supporter of me. So called him up, let him know too, and he literally like called me instantly, and because I had emailed him actually, he called me, was like, okay, this is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. And right, so right. now... Um, after some adjustments, they both are my advisors, even though Dr. Hawkins wound up um, going over to the University of Houston. They are now my major professors. That's awesome. So, That's right. Um, go dogs. So, so you had a break between your master's and PhD? Yes. So I worked. during that time, you said. Nice. No, I was, so I was coaching, um, academic advisor, um, <laughs> I was also the team academic advisor. Um, I was also a student org advisor, and I was also an instructor in physical education. I spent several years as an adjunct instructor in sport management department, and I was also my last my last year, my sixth year there, advisor to the undergrad colony of my fraternity as well. Jesus. And I was a recruiting coordinator for the non-distance and th- not mostly non-distance events as well. Yeah. My lord. Yeah. No life. That's, I <laughs> no mean, life. no. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking like, athletes alone is a lot. Like, athletics alone is a lot of like time-consuming. Like, I meet with my student athletes once a week, and I have six of them. And that's not including I'm about to start doing like a bunch of other stuff with the whole like athletics department and then like throwing in like being an academic advisor for other like no I just no <laughs> yes I was academic advisor for physical education and I had approximately about 20 to 30 official advisees but because our curriculum was very similar to exercise science and the coaching mm-hmm. um majors too um i some of them especially those who are of color and especially black males would come to me ask for help um mm. just because of how involved i was with supporting them and understanding how to break things down and became much more i took much more as life coaching than it was just academic advising right, to me right. because that advising for what was going to be the next couple of years for them had to also connect to what was going to happen after mm-hmm. undergrad degree so really compiling that in again to think that this is just one part of your life but also this is helping to set up the next steps in your journey of life through right. life so that's another reason too why I wanted to get this um, doctor degree was you know I was seeing what's happening to my black athletes especially my black males um, other um, students and athletes of color and just like what can I do and I, all this together I just like you know what I gotta go continue education I had a boy you know, of learning. I just period. I didn't know what that void was. And I was asked to do a sandwich seminar after um, what happened to Eric Gardner um, and myself and another former coach who was now in admissions. We were asked to do a sandwich seminar on student athlete responses to the death of Eric Gardner. And we just kind of conceptualized that, did a little survey, uh-huh. Um, did some um, research in the library and I sat there with um, my colleague and was like, this is what I've been missing. This mm. is what the, that, that gap and that hole that's just kind of in my spirit. It was learning and I didn't feel like I was learning and growing anymore. And he was just like, go back to school. I was like, yeah, I got to. Yeah. And so just other than a toxic 
environment within that job, um, being in that kind of environment too, all that just led up to me. He's like, time to go. Let's do, let's move forward. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta take the time to figure it out, but like, you know, it's something, but it's like, uh, mm-hmm. I just can't put my finger on it yet. And so and you gotta exist for you. And that was yeah. the thing with me. coaching and teaching. Everything's always for others, but I really had to step back and reflect like, mm. what am I doing for me? And mm. that was sort of the thing is like, you know, when I, I had this phrase, this hashtag that I put out a lot when I was in that transition period between working and starting school again and working, um, it was trust, a leap face. I had to trust that this was part of the journey of life and trust that some type of higher being or whatever had for me um, and have faith in it and have faith that these decisions, everything I'm doing, everything's going to work out. Um, and I had to make that leap. I had to leap forward and let go of the past and really take that leap to be vulnerable enough to start over because I was humbly re- successful, um, won some awards, and I got them. I always have them with me. They're oh right here too. Um, assistant coach of the year for the region for men's back to back. So they're kind of reminders, and I have this, my my athletic coaching career with me, my athletic career accolades and stuff too, and. It's still part of my identity, but I, I knew that I had to make that leap. Um, mm. And grandma gave me the blessing, so I was good. <laughs> Not grandma. Not grandma. Mm. My, my grandma still be like, can you just, can you go stop going to school and start a family, please? That's true. That was my great-grandfather before he passed. He was like, so when are you going to add another line to my lineage? I said, ooh, Gigi Pop went um. You know, when me and Sally may get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he's well, like, who's Sally? Exactly. We don't know, but that she taking my money. I don't know who <laughs> right. she is. But she got all my checks. <laughs> right. So, you know, and discovered and took over. And then somebody else now, Obsidian, I don't know. They'd be changing names. It's right. the Illuminati or something. It basically is. It basically is. Like, y'all ain't going to get this money. Like, stop it. Stop it. And not, uh, the J- not the Jay-Z, Beyonce, the Carter's Illuminati, the no, other one. The other, the negative Illuminati. The, the white they, this heads. Like, the, whatever the Illuminati they are part of, they just need to leave me some money on my doorstep, and I ain't going to ask nobody's question. Um, Listen, if y'all can forgive the banks, you need to forgive the students of all that money. Okay. Oh, that's a whole other story. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Excuse our tangent. Uh, <laughs> I get those emails all the time. I'm like, my loans are deferred. I know I can communicate with you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, thank you. I get it. Um, so yeah, you took a leap. I like that trust leap mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, I mean, like, I can. I see a lot of my. I see a lot of people now, like, because I'm in the college of ed where I'm at, and it was totally different from the program I started at. Of like, a lot of people who've come mm-hmm. back. Um. And like I, they're like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something. And then of course that those wise words of like just go straight through if you have if you can, like do not, <laughs> like if you. No, that you was know, the for, best thing for you. Yeah, everyone's different, but for me, oh, I know yeah, that. Definitely. Um, I for me, I know that I'm kind of like nah, um, reds to go through, get this done, because I've seen a lot of I have a lot of friends, and I know a lot of people who are like. I have families now and I want to go back and I know that's a sacrifice, financial sacrifice. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I ain't got no obligations, but my dog. And, <laughs> um, and yeah. So how did you like in your head, what is your dream to do? Because like sport management policy, that's kind of like, those are three broad words, you know? And so like yes. specifically, like, what is it that you when you realized you wanted to go back, you were like, this is the thing I'm going to specifically hone on. And this is what I want to do. Ooh, child. Ooh. <laughs> so that, that has evolved just like our country has evolved. Right. right, um, right. And so and that, that can be very difficult. Sport management, the, the field of sport management is very, very broad. Um, and you really don't learn that until you get further along. Like, mm-hmm. you know it, and you just think business, especially since I came from a business background. Um, and so originally, I thought I wanted to be an athletic director slash coach, but coach into an athletic director. 
realize that I ain't with the politics. I'm really not. And I, it's more about the individuals. And that matters so much more, the character, the culture, all that stuff. Um, so when I first was coming back and Dr. Hawkins was like, so you know, were you, have, you been, have you thought about what you wanted to look into? And so I've always had this inkling of being a deviant ever since I was really little um, and told one of my teachers that they're not my parent or told this one male who had some authority, but not really, but they're not my father. They have no authority over me. So I always been this little deviant. Um, I'm a true Aries. And so I thought something kind of with social justice, I was thinking about, you know, generational, um, generational, not really reactions, but generational involvement of athletes with like social justice movements. And I was thinking about, oh, well, let's look at, you know, Generation X and look at baby boomers and now millennials. And, you know, what are like the major um, social justice movements ever then and how did they react and stuff, stuff. But then I kept thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not there. That's not like, I, eh, I like it. It's interesting, but eh. So I also thought about imposter syndrome because, you know, me thinking about going back, you know, I was 30 at the time when I stopped um, coaching and all and was like, okay, you know, all these people maybe like 23, 25, and here I am. I've been out working and stuff. I didn't go to a research master's thesis program. I started, but I switched back when the recession hit in 08. Um, so I just did nine thesis. So I was like, I don't really, really feel like I know how to do research. Um, so I thought about imposter syndrome, but that was the beginning. It evolved. And it wasn't until um, spring semester, my first year, where I had a class with one of my now committee members, Dr. Tarek Grantham, who ironically is also a fraternity brother of mine. Um, he's in educational psychology and he had this um, course is like a seminar based on um, educational psychology of race and racism and really just looking at the, con the, the conception of race and racism and how it is manifest um, in various domains psychologically like so much stuff into it and looking at different movements and so forth and what is race and you know we were just talking one day in class and I forget exactly what the exact topic was um, but it came out looking at um, academically high-achieving African-American male athletes. And, oh, that's what it was. Um, it basically was looking at literature and topics. And I was saying how I got, I was really sick and tired of reading all this literature that was just so negative and depicting um, Blacks and especially Black males in these deficit frameworks and standpoints and that, you know, I could never see myself. And we're always taught of trying to find yourself in the literature, but I couldn't find myself. I went right. to privileged schools. I went to magnet schools. I had the arts infused with my education. Maxine Green would love it. Um, and I was like, well, what about us who are academically high achieving? Like my athletic identity was not sailing it. It did not take over. It was my academic identity. I was more afraid of um, not getting a strong grade in high school than I was of doing well at a meet. Um, because I knew or getting in trouble. Cause if I knew if I got in trouble in school for something, um, I could be kicked out. And my school was like almost like one strike rule for the most part. So like for me, it really was like my academic career and professional goals that drove who I was. I was like, I couldn't be the only ones. And so that's really where the interest of my research came where, um, I'm currently analyzing findings of a, a small study sort of say, um, looking at the um, experiences and identities of academically and athletically high-achieving Afro-American male, um, former athletes, and really kind of what are the factors that they attribute to their success. Um, and by doing so, looking at visual quality of research methods, specifically what's considered like photo voice, but photography is the name of the methodology I use. And that reason is because these research articles, I'm sick and tired of just seeing words. Like, I'm after a while, I just got drained. And I'm just being blunt. That's the Philly in me. Like, I was like, there's so much more than just words. And you're just putting the words on the page. And we're talking about meaning and how that meaning mm -hmm. is interpreted. And this and how it's supposed to be, you know, especially quality of research is supposed to be an iterative process. But, you know, for me, just talking or just writing down anything is not going to really convey things. And so... Mm -hmm. In my first semester call course, um, 
think it was my fall semester. It may have been spring. I can't remember. I think it was fall. Um, we, I saw one of the proposals from a former student that my teacher had, and it was utilizing um, like photo voice. It was utilizing participant photography for the participant themselves captured images. And we utilizing those images to have um, conversations to really unpack what's really there and so and be representative of their experiences and so forth so I thought oh that's it there we go got it <laughs> so that's that's really kind of long story short like that's really where things sparked on what I want to do and um, mm -hmm. what type of research I'm conducting and so forth I mean I think it's I think it's good to have listeners um here and even for yourself and me to like hear that like it's changing all the time mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean like just because your question changes or how you want to go about answering your question doesn't mean like you don't belong or like you didn't have a good idea the first time it just wasn't something that mm -hmm. one you could I don't want to say like stick with for the rest of your life, but like stick with to get through a dissertation. Like let's start, let's start there. You know, and, and yeah, it's just like they, there's so much of that, and you know about you know a, the best dissertation is a done dissertation. Yes, very much so. But at the same time, if you can choose something, and it's not even just dissertations, it could be a thesis, it could be a paper. Choosing topics that you actually are passionate about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm that like talk about actually putting yourself in your writing no matter how quote-unquote good you are at writing mm -hmm. if it's something you care about you'll want to read that 40 something page article or go through that 307 page book um because it doesn't feel like work and that's what always what was kind of instilled within me from others some of my peers and friends that i look up to who were going through their phd while i was um working up in upstate new york you know they always say like pick something that you're going to love pick something that you can find yourself in that is connected to who you are because the more you can put yourself within your writing the easier it is the better it's going to be and the more successful you're going to be because it, your dissertation is not going to define you per se but it's going to, it's going to help you get a job and those first couple publications um when you start that career if you're going into a um a um as into higher ed into the academy no yeah i feel that and i also it's also kind of like that thing of like like you said it's gonna be work if you don't like it like mm -hmm. it's gonna be work period like it is i mean writing anything is work but like I can't tell you how excited I get and you know this because I'll text you like I just found this book that I just finished and you're like yeah I read that book like 20 years ago Joy and I'm like oh my bad oh no uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> like my bad I'm late um but no like I get no. so excited when I find like different or books that have been in my cart about student athletes and because that's the mm -hmm. same thing I study for people who are new to the show like um but just from a different lens and so yeah like it's it's not work like me, yeah. I finally get to work with the student athletes and it's extra stuff on my plate, but I was, I'm like, I've been mm -hmm. dying for experience because how can I say I want to research these people? How can I say I want to help student population if I don't even know what the heck's going on? And so, oh, like, especially I, right now. Oh my gosh, you know, I mean, right now I'm blessed with having gymnasts. So that's interesting as my, as my advisees. Um, oh. Yeah. So it's pretty, but you know, it's, it's different. It's a different, like different stressors <laughs> and, yeah, and, incoming, and incoming freshmen too so it's great it's they're like some people are like oh my god i'm freaking out if i'm gonna pass and you have others like mm, i hate this class <laughs> it's just like all right um cool but it is it's a different um it is it's an elite sport it's you know it's an expensive sport and so it's obvious and i live in it's iowa late. so i'm not yeah. dealing with my res my my ideal research population is the black student athlete, black male student athlete, mm -hmm. black female student athlete. But right now I'm like got the foot in and just to like to see the experiences is crazy and it's exciting and it's not work. It is time consuming, but it's not work. Mm -hmm. And so um I don't know, like I already I had another research idea when I was leaving the center this morning of like, oh, I just read this article and this would work because Oh, okay. Survey idea um, to make my right. life, but I'm, but at the same time, I'm like, let me, let me get my quant up. Um, oh, listen, uh, I know, <laughs> and we've talked about that too, of like different ideas, and like, 
how did you know which is goes into my next question like how did you know you were quant or qualitative or like like and to everyone out there who listened and doing their research is no like one's better than the other it's just some people are have stronger are stronger oh, <laughs> one yeah. or the other oh, <laughs> so. it, it, it's it's passion i mean ironically math was my strong suit most of my life i love math but mm-hmm. stats is different okay um preach completely different but i i think that qualitative i knew honestly i had a i guess you can say almost an intro to quant research class um when i decided to at that time during my master's do a thesis mm. um and this is kind of like one of the prereq courses and the one class that the champ kind of touched on some of the same things too and you know spss and then those <laughs> and interpreting and we're going through no, I had Latin in like first and second grade um I'm and done. just those figures and I'm like I just kept thinking to myself this doesn't this is not representative how can we say this and like really learning what statistics were and all that stuff and I'm like well no I was like this is yeah. just boring no and that's like you fair. know Trust me, I feel <laughs> coming from an arts background like for me like there's so much more and like creatively and then being in gifted program um, from like mm-hmm. since first grade um, through high school, fortunately, um, it just wasn't creative to me. I mean, mm-hmm. people can get creative with their numbers. Um, okay. And unfortunately, some people got in trouble with that. Mm-hmm. But I just mm-hmm. that I just knew I had, you know, especially starting out qual. I just mean I thought about maybe mixed methods and what I was going to do statistics. I was going to do a thesis. I'm sorry. In my master's, the what I was looking at at the time was like the prevalence of racial stacking within the SEC, um, and kind of do a comparative study of um, revenue and non-revenue generating sports. Um, that's what I was going to look at, and you know those numbers were cool and all that stuff. But I'm like, this is boring. So for me, really, when I kind of first started, I had an idea that I didn't really want to do really a quant study. And just the horror stories. And I'm like, listen, I want something that I can really be interactive with Mm. and really have that human connection with. And I I knew um, qualitative research was much more, I'm much more suited for that type of research. To be able to talk with people, Mm -hmm. um, connect with them. And like their stories. Again, I come from a gifted, creative background and stories are everything to me. I'm writing something. You just said, and I lost it. Oh. Yeah, I think that's, I'm a, yeah, I resonate with that on a very spiritual level. But mm-hmm. I also know that, like, the more I, th- the more, and the funny thing is, like, so the more questions you have. Oh, Lord. The more, t- <laughs> right, and then, right, and then the more times, like, you start talking to people, and they're like, these are, <laughs> I talked to one of my, like, mentors, I guess, and they were like, and they're a quant person. They like they don't mind they don't mind qual, but they're quant and they're like, well, okay, so they're listening. I'm telling them what I'm interested in, and they're like, so you're gonna hate what I'm about to say. That is definitely a quality a quant question. Now, if you phrase it different, we can figure out how to phrase it for you to be a qual. But um, it sounds to me like you just don't know that you might need to do quantitative because you're so scared of like stats. And I was like, you know what, you asshole? Like, you ain't have to tell me (laughs) about myself that way. But it's crazy because, like, then you get to go back to your creative aspect of, like, okay, I know that, like, this is going to be boring to me if I make this stats. What's another angle to where I can make it? That qualitative does question. And, like, that's a, I don't know. That's, That's awesome. Like, I'm just thinking. Oh, yeah. Even, I mean, there's even post-qual, which I'm fortunate to have a class with pretty much the pioneer of post-qualitative research, um, Dr. Betty St. Pierre. And you get with her on just, like, origins and no such thing, like, beginnings and really demystifying, like, some of the things that, I mean, there some of the same arguments for quant over qual are, are happening even within qualitative research on which domain so to say which paradigm is mm-hmm. quote unquote better or more suited so it's like no matter what you know we have this 
inclination to challenge and be different than someone else and always something better. But at the same time, as long as we think about our morals and our ethics and the reason why we're doing it and how it's going to benefit someone else, our population, or the greater good of society, quote unquote, um, that's what really matters. Like I, I'm, most people who know me know I'm not in this doctoral program because I'm trying to make six figures and so and so. Like that's great. That's a benefit. And how I mean, I'm not gonna turn it down if and when it happens, so to say, I, I really am in this to affect change and mm. really to pass it on, to give back, because to me, like I I'm realizing how much knowledge I have, how much of a network I've create I've grown to create, cultivate and you know, it's selfish of me to just be the only person that can benefit from all this or so forth. And so there's clearly I have some gifts that I can um, share with others. And so that's kind of like my mission is just to give back and do for others what others have done for me. Hmm. Mm. That'll preach. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, because sometimes you're in these classes and you got folks to the right or left of you and you're just like, why are you here? Like, are you here because, because like, I, like, we coming from places of like, I'm doing this one for me too, because I know this is the only way that I'm going to see the, get the change that I want to see that needs to happen. And you over here talking about, I don't even know what. Yeah. Um, I mean, (laughs) and remembering to like the thing, like you can't, you know, research in isolation is nothing but words on a page or a screen. Like, it needs to connect with practitioners. It needs to mm-hmm. connect with the larger society. It needs to connect with kids. If we, we can't publish these articles and these scholarly journals, kids don't read this. If we're talking about kids and what they can do better, then why don't we put it in places where they can, they can see it, their parents can see it, their teachers, okay. their coaches, you know? And so that's why, I've, I mean... I've have I'm fortunate to have a board of directors, so to say, and, and community um, of mentors that uh, many this really urge me to diversify my CV, diversify my talents and skills. Mm-hmm. Um, one particularly is urging me to take some quant classes, but we have an understanding. We'll see. Um, but really, to you know, write for other than just academics. Yeah, no, that's real. Which thank you for your piece on my blog, by the way. That was awesome. I'll put anytime, it in the anytime. Anytime. Um, <laughs> to your quant piece, um, one mm-hmm. thing that I don't know how UJ operates, but maybe you can look at auditing it instead of taking it, so it doesn't hurt oh, you. Oh yeah. Okay, I was gonna say. Oh no. yeah, mostly. But I just don't want to deal with numbers. I'm just that type of like I don't, I, and I know I could, and I probably should because I mean, even one of my committee members is um within the past year or so and it may be a little bit longer but you know he's all qual but you know he's starting to do quant research or learn quantitative methods and Mm -hmm. you know i'm the type of person that i love learning too so i i know for me later will be better um and i've taken a class i understand it but it's just like I, i know for me I probably won't right now anytime soon delve into it, but it's going to be important for me to find another probably junior scholar that is maybe more quant and then the two Mm. of us work together and that is something. And that's basically what they're doing. They're working on some research with someone who's quant and the two of them are doing um, research and learning from each other. And I think to me, I learn better with others. Um, And so for me, just taking a class, like it's, it's so broad. And it's so particular. And I tried taking a class. And I'm just like, y'all need to explain it. I need to apply quantitative methods. <laughs> you got to tell me, okay, we, we looking at this, this mean and conference interval and how this regression and standard deviation and all that stuff like are. And that's, and you didn't, you, now you're showing me, I'm, now you're telling me I'm going to have to like learn coding just to run these analyses. Oh, child, please. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I got no sense. <laughs> no, I mean that's real. R. I mean, I get why people use R because it's free, but it's definitely more coding than like using SPSS. And it's definitely. And then your next, like, I used when I learned how to do quant methods. I learned on Stata, which was like easier than SPSS, but so much more expensive than SPSS. 
Listen, which is like it's a whole called VPN. Pro- <laughs> this is a whole other part of the conversation of like the barriers to learning some of these things. Like mm. you can't like if you don't have a department that's willing to pay for your SPSS or like or these quantitative function stuff, whatever your software is, or you can't get it at a discounted rate. Like that's three hundred, four hundred bucks. Listen, it's called Torrents. If you live off campus, get a good torrent downloader because I definitely got my SPSS for free when I thought I was going to take that class. Um, we can talk about that offline. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm, there's a way. <laughs> well, thankfully, you know, thankfully, University of Iowa, like, give, we have a, a student version for free if we just download it to our computers. But, like, yeah, most schools are I was just thinking to back definitely. to, like, my smaller institution where I went to undergrad. Mm-hmm. And we, okay, if, in order for us to do the homework, we had to go to campus because I went about to play for SPSS. Right. For one class. Get the, get out right. of here. Um, so I feel that on a very spiritual, deep <laughs> deep down okay. in my gut gut level because more more than enough faculty been like oh you don't have to get and i think i'm thinking i'm leaning more a little bit toward like heavy mix like heavy mix so the project i'm working on mm-hmm. when they do collect the data and do everything it's gonna it's it's a quantitative um study but there is human interaction because okay. we're literally watching people interact um Ooh. Yeah, it's cool. It really is cool. And this is my first time to do this. So kind of like seeing that there is this interpersonal side to some of this quant Mm. stuff, you know, Um, and even though you're just watching someone, like, you know, but it's pretty interesting. Parent parent teen interaction study, which is even hilarious. Um, So anyway, that was kind of like a tangent off of <laughs> quant, like, yeah, typical. What true, typical for us, and also like when you just mentioning the word quant, it just like brings something up in your spirit. Ooh, triggered, <laughs> <laughs> like so triggered. Like I'm having like you know flashbacks, um, sitting in bio stats. But um, so we've talked about your research. We talked about all the cool stuff. We talked about your where you're from how you got here where you want to go and you're in your third year so you're about to what be in your have you already comped or you're in your comp state like preparing no um so yeah, my journey's been unique um and because well partially you know my, at the end of my first year i applied for a simple graduate research grant yeah uh, was that. a finalist but you know wasn't final so i'm not upset at all because they opened up an opportunity for me to present at a um, forum for NCAA, Inclusion yeah. Forum. So that was awesome. Um, definitely reapply. Won't find out until October. And so, um, and it actually was not getting the grant that helped me figure out um, my study because it was current student athletes which was going to be for the grant study. And since I couldn't research UGA athletes and I didn't get this study, it was going to be a lot to try to get other um current student athletes you know decided to do non i mean former student athletes right, those right. who already done eligibility and which might and more most likely be my um dissertation probably just get more participants and expand on that um or make some changes of course mm-hmm. but um you know it, it was a failure so to say but not even failure it was not obtaining this grant that helped me progress forward and mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really valuable information for people to think that even though, you know, you may be all set on getting something, um, not getting it, still think about what you can learn from it. Because when I didn't get it, first thing I did was listen to the advice of, you know, mentors and um, other supporters of mine and um, more senior scholars um, and faculty that said, you know, make sure you I went to the race mentoring conference last summer. So I got to shout them out because um, that was re- definitely where I first learned it was when you apply for grants, if you don't get it, make sure um, you contact whoever the um, grant administrator is or whomever's in charge and director and ask them, you know, Hey, what was the feedbacks? Could you tell me how um, I can get, you know, do better. Um, NCAA already puts up on um, the winning proposals and all aspects, but you know, I reached out and said, you know, can I get some feedback? And with, because of that, I got to connect with the director, um, who's the director of the program, but director of uh, the grant. 
and you know we connected and so it became an opportunity for me and helped me um broaden my reach as a budding scholar so to say mm. and so yeah that helped me figure out where i wanted to go so to say and mm. even though next you know comps are going to be next summer um but again we'll see about getting um you know should i say when i get the grant for either data collect next summer i mean uh, sorry next spring uh spring 19 so yeah comps for next summer and then you know so you i'll probably do a, sorry oh no i'm sorry you, you can collect data for your dissertation before your comps so this is almost like a preliminary study so you can build on the, okay it. i didn't know how like yeah you can, you can like so if you do like a pilot study so to say that mm -hmm. data is still data um, and it's just that once you go through perspectives and then successfully pass, um, you get IRB approval, just been on. So like for me, I'll just probably do a modification to my current approval because it's still 2022, um, mm. and amend it based on what I do for my dissertation data collection. Cause I mean, there's people who use it in data sets and basically use already current data sets as their, um, data so to say that we're looking for dissertation so for me i'll just bridge upon there just want to know but yeah i'm on that four and a half five i already came in thinking i was gonna be on a five-year program so it'll probably be four and a half unless i'm insane and can write like um foucault or something i'm, um, I'm so done be done in four but you know i'm fine with it and i guess that's the kind of even the next segue is interesting too is that you know when i first came in i thought i wanted to be um go to a teaching institution um and for those who may not be as familiar typically people get phds either you're going to get a phd or get a doctorate to say sorry the doctorate to either teach go into research whichever r1 two or three and r is like high research productivity r2 is moderate so to say right 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 um, and then r3 is a little bit more teaching um or um going to be a practitioner or whichever right right, right. i came in to also teach because i felt like that mm -hmm. there were a lot of um individuals with doctorate degrees that may be amazing effective researchers but lack as, as educators to uh, undergraduates and i wanted to bring this back and um teach even though i taught for six years before then realized teaching for me um, okay listen preach it's it's a lot and doing that and teaching like a four four or five right. five course load just is was not for me. Um I don't mind teaching, I kinda love it, but I also am one where my belief system on grading has definitely changed and conflicts with kind of modern education. And so um limiting or delimiting or I mean not delimiting, um Eliminating kind of knowledge into segments that represent grades is very difficult um, for me right now to kind of stick with. So if I'm a if I'm a teach, I want to teach graduate level work because that's really kind of how I'm, where I'm at, um, how right, I think. Right. Um, so I thought that changed. So about all research and now, honestly, I feel like what's appropriate for me is somewhat of a balance between faculty and administrator. I would mm -hmm. love to be. Um, like a dean, maybe provost at a kind of a small mid-sized school and or possibly a large institution, but uh, administration and or possibly like a, a chief diversity officer working in that. Um, mm. I'm realizing I have a strong passion for that and being able to take the research and scholarship that's out there and apply it within the college setting because I know I want to be in the college setting no matter what. Mm. That's real. And so it is a journey. And that's, I think, what's great about higher education and graduate level work is that you learn so much more about yourself and what you do and don't want to do. Okay. Listen. And for people out there listening who, like, are can, um, and who are thinking about going to grad school or, like, trying to finish up undergrad or whatever you want to do, especially for those thinking about going to grad school, already, hey. I'm pretty sure everyone, like, if you're not, Make sure you go to trynagrad.com. Not a plug, hey. but that is a plug. I was like, I just took my, I just took my bracelet off. Um, Got my band on. But like, this is kind of stuff that's out there, and this is like one of the one of the great places. And that, black and grad school. And black and grad school, yes. And uh, black and hooded. 
um, and my website without a space. But anyway, we can we can list all this. And Black Girl yeah, exactly. does grad school. Black Girl yeah, exactly. does grad school. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> but like these are the conversations that I think like first gen docs. Hello. Oh yes, first gen docs, which is based out of you guys. Uh, hey. Which I know, Jason. Isn't that crazy? That's that's my buddy, Jason, Lamisha, all of them. No, Come like on, I, UGA Kassar, shout out. I knew Jason from before he moved to UGA. Oh, I, wow, did the, awesome. I did the Miss Black and Gold pageant at TCU, and he was there when I did it. Uh, so <laughs> I knew it was going to be a little salty about that. <laughs> But no, no shade. No but shade. when I saw that he was there, I was like, wait a minute, Jason? And he was like, Joy? Anyway, so. Um, but yeah, all those sites, they have these Twitter conversations, they have these topics. And I think you just touched on something that has been probably talked about and should be always talked about of like, it's okay for you to figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. Because like, if you go into like, cool, if you have it all figured out and don't change, congratulations. But then my yep. next question to you is like, but are you making sure you're you're able to evolve? You know, because oh, yes. um, you gotta like grad school is all about evolving. Like my mm-hmm. my program I started out in change. <laughs> now I'm in college bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. what I thought I wanted to do for my PhD, I knew what my question was, but like it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um still in still in communication, but now leaning more towards health communication. Um programs mm-hmm. I'm applying to. Um, they're all, you're on my list, but not number one. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think I don't think there's even numbers at this point. I just think it's like everyone, whoever accepts me and gives me the most money, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, oh, I can't do, I can't roll my R. So what you just did, <laughs> but like knowing that it's not gonna be static. Like I don't, I think mm-hmm. like especially students of color like we aren't we don't see folks a lot who go through this and then the people who do go through things they're not it's not your job like obviously you don't have to tell everyone your business but like being Mm -hmm. transparent in the process because like if you end up with your doctorate and you never told anybody like well this was your you didn't get this or you had to do this and you figured out this and they just see you at the end and they've been watching Mm -hmm. you and then all of a sudden they fall down a hill you know they trip up They'll be like, well, Marcus didn't, or like, right? Oh, they don't see like just like the like the whole like the whole imagery of an iceberg. You only see what's on top, right? Level, right. um. But no, like this whole that was like that was not just this process for me. If you don't go into graduate school, um, and I'm not even talking about a doctorate, just graduate school period, right, right. willing to change and evolve. You're setting yourself up for failure because yep. you have to think about it. Why would you go throughout any period of your life not willing to do so? Okay. And it was this this time period in my life where, again, I'm in my 30s. Um, and I honestly found my black queer joy as, you know, holla, shout out to the blog, the piece I wrote. <laughs> I mean, but it really was. I spent so much time... Um, and really being afraid of people knowing not because mainly because respectability politics right, so right, right. them um <laughs> but really being afraid to really like what are people going to say or think is someone going to be afraid or someone not going to allow me to recruit their right. black male child because i am like all these like um stereotypes and stigmas that are associated with this part of me and when it's not necessarily a salient identity it's just one of the intersecting identities that makes who i am um and so i i learned i there are people here i gotta shout out dr annalise singh i mean who just is a, a breath of fresh air to be around and really helps people just learn how to just be and i really do thank my department my college um uj kind of as a whole but really this college event like <laughs> You're, we, we have so many people who affirm who we are for who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And no one's perfect. There are probably some people who may not, but there are so many people here who just embrace me holistically. And a lot of them have been black females. Um, a lot of who I am is thanks to black females. Um, but I just, I mean, thank you. I all <laughs> who know me know. I always, I know. Females. My mama, my grandma, my aunt, um, nothing against you, daddy, but you know, you had your own thing. Um, but I just became so much more affirmed and just comfortable and just like stopped caring. 
Um, yeah. Because I just knew and they didn't care. And even just throughout, I was embraced. And so I think that's what's really important is whether it's some form of your identity or goals you have, if you can come into um, graduate school and even parts of your life and just be willing to let go um, some say let go that guy whichever your belief system may be but just let go and let happen um mm-hmm. you'll be good um enough or partially i mean there's also some fine tuning that needs to happen that you need to do and allow right. others to do with and for you but mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough because you i've had to do so much unlearning in these two three years mm-hmm. than i probably have and that's what's amazing about a doctorate degree is that you get to do that. Mm. And hopefully you're getting paid to. Um, but you get to mm-hmm. do unlearning mm-hmm. for the mistakes that, you know, No Child Left Behind and these other stupid policies have done to us. You know I ain't nothing but. <laughs> Just closing my nose and I know. No, that's real. And, that's, and, and I think a college of educations are, because I'm in the college of ed at Iowa, and like, coming i was raised in the deep south texas you know um private christian school which just means like you know abortion's wrong mexicans are wrong um if you're gay you're wrong if you're black you're wrong like you name the worst thing possible like and then like Mm -hmm. knowing that's wrong after i got to undergrad but like even challenging it more like unlearning not challenging it because you ain't got to challenge i already conceded that this was terrible Mm -hmm. why did they teach me this and i hate that i'm like i'm learning all this but like sitting in college (laughs) like sitting in grad classes in the college of ed because i'm the only master's student everyone else is you know phds which is really awesome yeah um i'm sitting there and i'm like who's this author wait what is this wait a minute what is that wait no child left behind was bad like you know like no one because bush is from texas so it's not like Mm. you talk it's not like you're gonna talk bad about bush in texas you know what i mean like these were my and that publisher Okay, right. And then, right, if you want a textbook published, it goes through Texas. And people don't understand that. And, like, I didn't understand mm-hmm. that. And, like, undoing, like, you know, even, you know, frag- black fragile masculinity, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, you know, even to this, like, my, my dad is now 60 years old, and he just was, like, you know, the other day, two, three weeks ago, after the two people committed suicide in the same week, and he knows I had depression, mm-hmm. he was like, Joy, I just, you know, like, what is going on? Like, what is, what does this look like? Like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you know? And I was like, who dad is this? Because when I told you, that, <laughs> you know, and like, we just, mm-hmm. then we just started talking about like, these are, these are things we shouldn't say to people. These, we can't tell people you can't be gay mm-hmm. or this, that, and, and but those, that's what, that's what the church was. And so, um and that's what the school was and it's just like you're right i think that you know as you get older and even as you go and especially if you're in your program but really as you get older if you're willing to unlearn things hello your life is so much easier but ain't nothing like being in a grad program and you being like i'm sorry what was wrong oh, i was that was wrong right oh, like mm-hmm. so you mean 18 years of my life i gotta undo now <laughs> like y'all 18 whole years like i mean i've been good for at least seven of them but like 18 i gotta go back that far i'm upset right right i mean and, and it's all part of like finding out who you are and mm-hmm. that's just the thing is that we spend so much of our formal schooling years um being molded into what people believe or how we should be what their depiction of what a good student is and, right. and you know what is successful and where you should go we chase after um i mean some people chase after being athletes or being an entertainer or they chase after getting that six-figure job out of undergrad or something and we don't look at what is it that we want are we satisfied because heck i was that person first i wanted to be an astrophysicist throughout most of my high school years and out. i got to my senior Oh, can you see me? Say something again. Am I back? Kind of. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I think I hear myself now. Yeah, it was, like, weird. It was, like, every... Hey, remix. I'm dead. Come on, Khalid. This is... 
I just got done watching it for. <laughs> but no, like I wanted to be an astrophysicist. And then I was like, oh, well, I don't want to be in school for the rest of my life, dummy. Um, because I still am. Um, so I said, you know what? I want to be. That's weird. It's some little ugly oh, no. pods. Yeah, I can hear like the reverb. One I second. I heard you want to be an astrophysicist. And then you were like, I'm only being in school in the rest of my life, dummy. And then it was like, eh, d- 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 like you was in a fucking transformer. <laughs> You know, Optimus Prime. I'm good. <laughs> is that any better? Yeah, that's better. All right. It could also be our Wi-Fi. But yeah, at, and then I thought I wanted to chase after money and wear Italian suits in Italy and being a stock, international stockbroker or something. And I mean, did my friendship undergrad at writer in finance and was like, this ain't me. I'm going to spend 10 years at a desk or something before I even get them probably move up. And that's why I was like, you know, I need to start each each degree in each school. I, I really I need to chase after what I want. Um, and it, it was Dr. Hawkins' class when I first got to Georgia. I thought I wanted to be bio, um, going to biomechanics um, and be a coach. And I had his sports sociology class where I learned about racial stacking in sports and discrimination and this whole field of sports sociology. So it's like I realized that I had to be comfortable with change. And mm. I typically am, but as the thing is, like, education has been that. It's shown me that there's so much more out there to the world, and I really try to do my best not to pigeonhole myself, um, especially for all those people who are out there that are, like, process-oriented, like I am. Um, I love outlines, and I love things going from A to B to C and very ordinal, um, especially if you're doing qualitative research. You got to let that go, child. <laughs> let it go. Especially if you're going into grad school. Yes, um, it's not that qualitative research and even a lot of times, even just being a graduate student mm-hmm. is not very ordinal at all. No, um, it, it don't make no sense on the outside, but once you through, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, that, mm-hmm. I got it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for looking out up there. <laughs> like, thanks for letting me know that if I if it had gone my way. It wouldn't work out, and that's yeah. basically, you know, we can't be Sinatra. You can't have it my way. I did it my way. Oh, see, I was thinking about Usher. Oh, see, my. Yeah. That's that. That's that little gap in age. <laughs> first of all, first of all, the fact that I went further back is even sadder, though. Like, I know what song you're talking about, but my brain went to, like, come on now. If anything, I'm the one who's acting older than you. Like, good old blue eyes. <laughs> that's that good age old gap. Blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that was my classic, Usher My Way. That was, ooh, what was that? High school? Middle school? I can't okay, remember. Yeah. Pretty old. But, um, Don't judge. I'm not judging. <laughs> um, no. All my, I feel like you know, the best people. I don't know. I feel like if you're approachable, and because there's a lot of people in my classes who are like, I am the youngest in my class, like 20. I'm about to be 25. Like everyone, everyone's like families, you know, worked. Um, and I'm like, hey, spry chicken over here. Um, <laughs> Ooh, <yeah>. But. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm like, I think that all the people who, as long as they're approachable in my classes, even at my undergrad institution, very um, untraditional, the first, the average first year student was 26. So like, we're looking at students who are transfers, veterans. And so like, my friend group is like this, Mm. like that show community. Like, that's what I tell people. Like, that's literally my friend group. We're all over the spectrum. But I think the, my closest, most influential and most like knowledgeable friends Mm-hmm. Are people who are like ten years, you know, older than my senior because they over here like you gotta calm down, like it's gonna work out. <laughs> I'm I'm here to tell you if you ain't know that it's going, you know, <laughs> it might not work right. out when you want it, but it's gonna work out. And oh, yeah. yeah, so I think you. I'm really I'm happy that I met you via Twitter. Um, doing. Hey. And then we're in the same. Uh, good to know that you're on that um, listserv that got a little crazy last summer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's the 
in the summer? I don't know when it was, but that it lesson. was last summer. Oh my it gosh, that was that was summer. great. Um, but yeah, we're in some of the. You just haven't met in person yet, so that'll be soon. Hopefully, it won't be at. I won't be yeah, at this so year's cool. conference. Uh, I won't either. Vancouver too expensive. The thing is, they they have well because NCA is the the week after or the same week, and I can't until uh, I'm in my PhD program. I'm trying. I'm like trying to get you know this NCA connects now. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, plus two, I'll be at, um, fortunate that I was invited to present my research at um, this research fair at San Jose State University through their um, Words to Action. Um, there you go. Um, Words to Action. It's going to town hall through their Institute on Sport. Oh, I made it right because I got to sh- shout them out. Institute of Sports, Society, and Social Change, where they're commemorating the um 1968 olympic protest oh, by yeah. um yeah so i'll be out You're there and i'll be yet. actually that's 50, being 50 years yep 50 year commemoration yeah. yep i'm on a seminar i'm on a seminar at nca this year about that because our, oh, our theme is communication at play so communi- the sports and communication division was like hey let's eat this up um and so someone submitted a a panel or seminar pre-conference seminar so it's like four hours of like different workshops presented by us i don't know what i'm doing yet but i got um but yeah i'm so excited i'm like making a name someone recommended me and now that's how i was like oh i'm making a name for myself people are recommending me for stuff hey one day i'm gonna be famous um but thank you so much for coming I can't hear you, but okay. Oh, <laughs> whatever you said, thank you. <laughs> I can't stand. You can. It's fine. Is it still acting up? No, it's better now. I really do think it is your Wi-Fi because it sounds like. Yeah, because like it's a rebirth. Yeah. But definitely, I, I was saying, turn that presentation into a publication, especially for a sport communication journal. Yes, I'm submitting, I'm working on fine, fine-tuning this paper I wrote for sociology of education, no, race, class, and gender in education last semester on the University of Iowa student protests, athlete student protests in 1968, actually. Um, oh, wait, I was going to say, I thought they did do one, too, I saw somewhere randomly. I think yeah, I it was in the, it was 68, 69, um, they did a protest They by not going to practice, and it was a big deal. They had, like, the Des Moines Register was involved. Like, it was crazy. And so, like, I wrote a paper about that and all that type of stuff, so. You know, you, you gotta, I have my, one of my original versions, The Revolt of the Black Athlete. I need to get that, I know. By Dr. Harry Edwards. I have it signed by Tommy Smith. John Carlos, and so in October, I'll be able to get it signed by Dr. Harry Edwards. This was actually published in this version, I think, was 1970. Yep. So I think this is actually, if not one of the first editions, it may be like first was like republications. But yeah, this is one of like the main books where Dr. Harry Edwards really talked about um, that whole protest and the pictures of everything that happened um, and really how the Olympic development. Um, for human rights, I always say it wrong, and I feel really bad. Because, um, you know, there's way too many words in my head from everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a good read, some good gems in here. Um, and it's really the connection of really, like, the development, like, especially Black athletes. Um, and how, especially, it's a good reminder of what's happening today and how, um, black athletes have throughout history, even going all the way back to, um, you know, the plantation horse jockeys when they pretty much took charge of their experience and say, you know what, I'm going to capitalize on y'all's capitalistic nature. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's something I want to tell you to look into, cool. not to add to your pile oh and you might have gotten the email but i did some digging um the society for social workers of sport the aiswa or whatever yeah whatever website well not not our new website they have a certificate program 
and it's I don't know I've been thinking of doing it but are like putting it onto my to-do list for later in life um it's like a year long where you can get a certificate of like a certificate in sociology I mean social work of sport and they give you like extra classes it might not be beneficial to you because you've got your business managed sports management stuff but um just a thought I mean I wish it was free but well, there's a bunch of things. I mean, definitely, like, there's there's a growing trend in for those who work in and outside of sports for certification, especially on athlete development. Um, there's a professional association of athlete development specialists, PADS, mm-hmm. which I'm presenting again this summer. Um, it's mm-hmm. August. Um, they are actually developing, I think it's about to roll out, um, uh, kind of a program on athlete development and multifaceted. Um, mm-hmm. Those are always great um to keep my eye open since i'm not coming from a sport background like i was like oh i'm making this list of like extra stuff that i can do because just like you i do want to transition from that faculty to admin but i want to be tenure first and then switch so in case they won't let me go and fact an admin they i can go back to my department <laughs> right but also too um dr angel brutus she's a um <laughs> Sports psychology, like she, her, her profile is great, but um, I think she's now going to be at Mississippi State. I think I saw a tweet from her, but yeah, she, um, she's currently in Atlanta, though, right? Yeah, but I actually saw I retweeted something. Um, yeah, she's on newest members. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Mississippi State Sport Medicine Performance Team. Um, oh, but there's you. a big growth, especially for those. Yeah, there's a big growth in people looking at um mental health and well-being within sports and the NCAA is definitely um growing in its efforts or increasing its efforts into supporting um and really addressing the uh issues that are concerning mental health and well-being of athletes so those who are interested in it in any form you don't have to necessarily have a health uh sport background but just have some experience or interest in it Trust me, there. That's a booming field for the future. I know. That's why I'm like, I know it was more like when I've been getting the notifications in Google about different articles and dissertations coming out. Um, I'm like, mm-hmm. that person who said what I wanted to do wasn't like wasn't a thing. Suck on these because <laughs> all oh, these yeah. programs are coming out. All these articles and more and more and more like pop culture, so to speak news stories of what's happening and you know that's a whole nother story of like where and I'm a football person so like where we see right where we see the NFL and where we see college football 25 I used to say 50 years from now but I'm saying 25 years from now because yeah and so like to know that you're on the forefront like you're a budding scholar you've already presented at NCAA um, which I was like, eh, I should have been in your suitcase, but that's neither here nor there. Um, well, it'll be in Atlanta next year. I know. I will say. Which I just might be in Atlanta next spring break, but our next March. I'm not for sure yet. I'll keep you posted. Um, my family lives there. So, yeah. That's right. My, and my cousin is a, a alum from UGA. So, they live Hey, go dogs. I know, whatever. <laughs> so, um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, hopefully when I download it and I, I can edit, like, the, the audio will be fine. Because sometimes it does that. Um, like, the audio is fine, despite the Optimus Prime voice. No problem. I mean, if anything, it just shows the, the multifacetedness that it is my existence. <laughs> good, good, good. Bye. On that note, I'm ending this call. You have a great day, awesome. and thank you so much for coming thanks, on the podcast. Bye. Now, eventually, opportunity. See ya.